Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk in Real Time, your podcast, giving you behind the scenes access to the creative process of Real Talk, the blog, as well as interviews with other creative souls. We will learn how they keep things real in their lives and passion projects. But for the most part, you can expect off the cuff musings, rants and raves, but most definitely a lot of real talk. Today, I have the pleasure of bringing to you someone who I've been stalking her on Twitter for the most part. She is someone that I really appreciate her writing style. And personally, I think she's a bit of a badass. So everyone, without further delay, I bring you Jessica Mendez. How are you, Miss Jessica? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me and for saying such kind things. (laughs) I appreciate it. They're all true. All (laughs) absolutely true. And like I said, I have been stalking you. Um, I think initially I found you on Medium. before I found you on Twitter. And then I think we've had some conversations on Instagram too. (laughs) Yeah, we have. (laughs) So tell us, where are you hailing from? Um, So I was born in California, but raised in Arizona. Um, And I grew up there, went to college there. And then I moved back and forth. California ended up in Vegas. I've been in Vegas for five years now. Now, we talked a little bit beforehand about Vegas, but I need to hear this again. How hot does it get in Vegas? It gets very hot. Um, We're talking, you know, like triple digits. We're talking like over 110 sometimes. And I'm, you know, coming from Arizona, I'm used to the heat, but it's not as bad as Arizona. So it's just it's a little bit cooler here in Vegas. Not by much. Wow. Just a little. Yeah, relatively speaking. <laughs> yeah. But um, I mean, we have, you know, Vegas pool parties and all that crazy scene. So the heat works here. You know, people come here. <laughs> wow. Now, I spent some time in Arizona. And, um, I went on a couple trips when I was making jewelry. There was a big gem show that happens in oh, Arizona. Yeah. And what I distinctly remember is just drying that like all of my moisture was gone within seconds. Like I had no tears. I had no saliva. It was just like everything awful. So are you telling me that Vegas gets that way too? Yep. Uh, Talking, you know, your skin is dry, hair is dry, all of that. Which (laughs) I'm sorry, honey, you make it look good because your hair is awesome. So how do you even manage that? (laughs) This curly hair of mine, I don't know if you, uh, so I've written about my journey with, you know, coming to accept my curly hair because I, you know, grew up straightening it pretty much every day of my life for a while, at least in my early twenties. Um, and I absolutely hated my curly hair. I thought it was ugly and, you know, I was just very self-conscious about it. And people would, you know, some people would tell me like, oh my God, do you know like how much money people would pay to get hair like yours. And I'm like, no, I, I don't, I don't like it. So I'd straighten it all the time. And, you know, it comes with a lot of, you know, not really knowing what products to use and all of that. So I didn't really know how to take care of it, but I absolutely love my hair now. And I know what products to use, especially in this dry heat, you know, you have to be careful and I, don't really straighten my hair as much, but thank you so much for saying that about my hair. <laughs> well, we'll have to get into those products a little bit later. <laughs> yes, I'd be happy to share. <laughs> if I ever decide to grow my hair again, which is doubtful, but if and I did, we would have to talk about those products. But yes, <laughs> right. your hair is gorgeous and I'm so glad that you are embracing 
you're curly because yes, those folks are right. There are people that would die for your head of hair. So <laughs> I appreciate that you appreciate your hair. <laughs> I do now. I'm happy that I've reached that point where I'm like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Like, why was I, you know, damaging this hair every day? <laughs> And I honestly, I swear, you know, I grew up with curly hair too, and I did the same exact thing. It's a process of growth and evolution that I think most women have to go through. So you've gone through your rite of passage. Right, right. (laughs) And it's something that no matter what anyone tells you, it's unfortunately something you have to learn through Mm -hmm. experience and through your own life. You, you know, advice sometimes just goes in one ear out the other and you're just like, sure, sure. And then, you know, years later, you're like, oh my God, they were right. (laughs) (laughs) which is life, right? (laughs) So you mentioned that you've done some writing on Medium about your hair, and obviously you write about other things. You write about career and relationships and lifestyle. But how long have you been writing? How long have you been a creative writer? So I I started writing, I mean, if we want to go way back, I was seven when my parents bought me my first diary. And Ever, I still have all of them in a box in storage. I have every single journal, notebook that I've filled with short stories and poems and songs and all sorts of stuff. Um, so it was since seven years old and I never stopped writing. All throughout college, I kept journaling. Um, and I always, you know, it was a hobby. I loved it. I was good in, you know, it was, English class was my favorite. Spelling tests, you know, I excelled at. I was so excited to do mm-hmm. when it was, you know, time for a spelling test in school. Um, but writing was always just a hobby. It was nothing that I ever thought about pursuing as, you know, a career, never even considered it. Um, and I went to school for psychology. I totally went, um, you know, decided to follow that. I went, went to school, got my bachelor's degree, went back on my master's degree. Um, and I was never completely fulfilled in working in this field that I had spent seven years, mm. you know, and the cost of school and the time that I spent. Um, but I always make it a point when I do talk about, you know, how long I did spend and that I'm not really using my I'm I'm still using my degree in a sense, but you know I'm not working in the field that I studied towards. Um, but I always make it a point that it's it wasn't time wasted, and I don't like to say that I regret going to school or um, oh all the all the dollars that I wasted on mm-hmm. you know because it's um it's it's a part of me. It was a part of my journey, and I still you know I write about these experiences, so I'm still using my degrees in a sense. So I just. I always like to make that a point that, you know, it wasn't, there's no such thing as a wasted education. You know, I don't think I wasted my time in school. Um, But yeah, I was never, never happy doing um, what I had planned on doing, you know, as a grown up, right? Like, oh, when I grow Mm -hmm. up, I'm going to be a therapist. And I was never happy. I became, you know, depressed and I was panicking because at that point I was like, okay, I spent all this money, all these years. What am I going to do if this isn't what I'm going to do forever? Right. Now, um, how did you make a transition? I mean, like you said, you've invested years. Yeah. Right? A lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of resources, a lot of, a lot of heart. And then how did you make the shift? Like, was it an instant decision? Like, how did you come to make that that, that pivot? So I I quit my job as a drug and alcohol counselor 
And um, I <laughs> decided to start teaching English as a second language. Oh. So I went back to school to get my certificate for that. And um, I did that. And then I, you know, spontaneous decision, which I, I like to make a lot of these. Um, <laughs> I decided to, I was going to, I decided that I was going to move to Indonesia to teach English. Hmm. Yes. And I was just like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And so I, you know, I got my certificate. I started uh, volunteering to teach English um, here in Vegas. And, you know, when the moment came for me to decide, okay, are you moving <laughs> all the way across the world? Uh-huh. Um, I was like, um, no, actually, I'm not going to do that. And it, was, <laughs> it was another panic. Like, okay, really, what am I doing? And wow. again, and I write a lot about career change because I've changed my career, you know, quite a number of times. After this teaching English thing, I uh, started doing data entry at an animal clinic. And from there, I moved to an animal hospital. So I was working in scrubs for two years. I mean, it was completely out of (laughs) where I was, you know, a year before um, as a drug and alcohol counselor. It was just, I was, you know, going, just jumping from career to career. I really was looking for what was going to make me happy and I wasn't finding it. And there's so much pressure that not only, you know, do we get from the outside that we put on ourselves that you have to find, you know, that dream job and, you know, you need to find it soon because, you know, I was, I was still in my early twenties and I'm panicking, you know, I had so much anxiety that I'm wasting my years and I, you know, I haven't found the job yet. Um, and the whole time that I was going through this, I was writing every day and I still didn't see writing as something that I could potentially do, um, for a living. It was still just a hobby. Um, and, when I got to the, you know, the end of the road, when I was working at this animal hospital, I was like, okay, I want to grow. I, there's really no room for growth for me as I was a receptionist at an animal hospital. I'm like, where am I going to move up? I'm not going to go, you know, to medical school, Medical school, right. (laughs) I'm not going to go back, uh, do more school. Um, so I started writing, I discovered medium in 2018 and it was towards the end of 2018, I found Medium and I was like, oh, this is, you know, a really great website. There's no ads. There's all sorts of different writers from all different kinds of backgrounds. People are writing about all sorts of topics. And um, I wanted to write about something that I write a lot about, which is my um, my relationship with my, with my parents. Um, I was raised in a very strict Catholic home. And um, when I left the Catholic church, the relationship that I had with my parents really suffered. And I was trying to work through that while I was also trying to figure out what I was going to do as a career. And one day, and it was the end of 2018, I just decided, you know, I'm just going to write an article about this. And I published my first article on Medium, I think, in December. Um, and that's that's what set it off. You know, that's what started it, is I published that, and it was so therapeutic, but so scary for me because the, you know, the entire 20 years that I've been writing, I've never ever shared my writing with anybody. Mm. And I, you know, I hit publish and now it's, I mean, I, you know, I had just started, so it's not like I had a following, but it was out there, (laughs) you know, and that was very scary to me, but it kind of gave me the courage to, 
all right, what else do I want to write about? What other experiences have I had that I could connect with other people who have also experienced the same kind of things? So I started writing about how many times I've changed my career and, you know, trying to find that dream job and what to do when you can't find it. And that's how I started writing on Medium. And so you see, that is exactly one of the reasons why I consider you a badass because, I mean, having the courage to recognize that what you were doing wasn't serving you and that you were willing to try something else and then even willing from that point to try something else. There are so many people that are paralyzed with fear, paralyzed, you know, self-judgment, let alone what other people think. And you didn't, you didn't allow those things to stop you. So to me that, honey, you need to be commended for that. There's, I mean, yes, where you are is amazing, but just, you know, looking back, if you're able to look back and and recognize within yourself how you felt, because I can hear it in your voice, there's still some judgment attached to that. Yeah. And I can tell you that I'm sitting here going, damn, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. No, I, um, I, I mean, I do recognize it, that it's, it was, it took a lot of guts to just openly write about, you know, my, the pain inside of me with, uh, regarding the relationship that I had with my parents and, um, yeah, it, but it helped me so much and it really opened my eyes to, oh my God, I, I love this. I love being able to write personal essays and the comments that I was getting on these pieces were just, they're touching my heart. And I was like, oh, you know, it made me feel less alone. And of course, there's so many people that, you know, share the same experiences we do. Um, but it's not very often that we actually get to connect with them mm-hmm. and bond over, um, similar upbringings and, you know, backgrounds. And so, yeah, that's what started the, the whole writing thing. I, um, and I'm, I recognize how privileged I am that I, I quit my job at the animal hospital without a backup plan. I, wow. So you're starting writing on medium basically turned into your full-time job. Um, well, I decided, so not, I, not writing on medium became a full-time job, but writing. Um, I started looking on, you know, freelance websites because I realized how much I loved to write these essays. And I thought, well, you know, I've always heard that I'm a good writer. People have always told me I'm a good writer. Maybe I can find, you know, writing jobs. And that was the first time that that ever really crossed my mind. Um, yeah, yeah. And I started finding, you know, little freelance projects here and there. And, and that, that's what, that's what, how it started. Yeah. See, I need to take a little bit more notes with you, honey. <laughs> because I mean, honestly, I, you know, I'm not writing nearly as much as I would like to. Yeah. But that was my thought too, was like, why would people pay to read my stories? Like literally that is how I felt. When I recognize that I'm going from a journal to now being out here in the world, why would someone pay me for that? Right. <laughs> right. Know, did you, yeah. have you ever had feelings like that, that yes, I recognize you're saying putting these experiences out there and it allows you to connect with other people, but then putting that financial component to it, did you ever feel like, what am I thinking? Why would people pay me for this? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. That imposter syndrome is so mm-hmm. real. It's like, um, what am I, you know, what am I thinking? Who do I think I am? Like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it was, it was there. It was in my head, just kind of, you know, I'd, I'd get scared and be like, okay, you know, what if I don't find another client? You know, I'm, I, I, I quit and I was like, I need, you know, that pressure of, there is no backup plan. I need mm. to fully dive into this because I don't have a backup plan right now. And if this doesn't work out, you know, and savings run out, I'm going to have to go find a regular job and, you know, something that is guaranteed income. So I think that, that really pushed me and I got, I got very lucky. Um, and I, yeah, I found some, some great clients that I still have to this day. Um, and I was, you know, I started sending out my, my writing to magazines and, and I had no, <laughs> I had no professional writing experience. What? See, that is a testament to so many people that I'm connecting with that feel the same exact way that they, they weren't traditionally trained. They don't have a degree in creative writing or journalism yeah. or what have you. And so really that pervasive feeling of why would anyone pay me to do this? And it's right. maybe it's just something I enjoy doing. And so there's also that component of it work is we're not supposed to enjoy work. Right. This is something I enjoy doing. So why would someone pay me for it? And more people need to hear that it's okay. Yeah. And to take the risk, to take the plunge, because I, like you said, you grew up writing. It's something yeah. you enjoy doing. But just imagine if you had stayed in any one of your other careers, looking back over your life and wondering and wishing, I yeah. wish I had. I, I think about that. I, I really do. I think about that a lot because I'm for the first time. So I've been writing full time now, you know, since the end of 2018. So not very long. And I have never been so happy and just so satisfied in my day to day life. Like the projects that I'm doing for clients and, um, myself and these two wonderful women were, uh, co-editing Fearless She Wrote, a feminist publication on Medium. And, you know, I'm just doing all of these. I'm just writing and editing every single day. And I have never been so fulfilled in my, in my career, in my, in my life. And I, I think about that, like, oh my gosh, like I was so miserable working in the field that, um, that I was, you know, that I had studied for. And to think that if I would have stayed, you know, would I have, I don't think I would have ever felt this happy because this is my passion, Mm -hmm. you know, and what makes me, I mean, just kind of what blows my mind is that I never, ever considered writing to be like a, a career, you know, and I had heard all my life that, you know, I was a great writer and even when I was working, you know, at the animal hospital, the doctors would come to me and be like, can you write this for somebody? And, you know, I'd, I'd be so happy to do it. And it wasn't, I never (laughs) connected the dots. I was just so happy to always do anything that involved, um, writing or proofreading somebody's work. Mm -hmm. It was just, it made me happy, but I never considered it to be something as a job. And I, I do think about 
you know, what if I decided to go to school for creative writing or what, you know, what if I had gone a different route, but we can sit here and wonder what ifs all day. (laughs) So tell me about Fearless She Wrote on Medium. Is that, was that a publication that you created because you wanted an outlet for your writing? And like, how did that come about? Um, so I, myself and, uh, Jillian and Maggie, there are these two writers on medium. We kind of connected because we were writing about very similar topics. Um, we, I wrote about, um, my experience with, uh, sexual assault in the workplace and very, very heavy, scary topic to write about just openly on the internet. Um, but something Jillian had wrote had really, um, given me the courage to go ahead and and share that. And I'm very happy that I did. And about two days after I wrote this story talking about, um, the time that I, I had been sexually assaulted at a job, um, I received this horrific, comment by this, you know, this anonymous troll, um, telling me just horrible things that all the things that I expected to hear, which is why it took me so long, you know, why there's so much fear for anyone to come forward and share their experiences because we're, you know, they're always somebody that's going to tell you, no, that's not true. You're lying. You're making that up. You're doing it for attention, blah, blah, blah. So And this anonymous troll definitely came by in the comments and let me know all these things. And I wanted to quit writing after that. I was so, what? I was so new at being so vulnerable and sharing my life online just to have somebody come in and be like, you're, I don't believe any of this. Like you're making this up. And I mean, he said some really awful things and I wanted to quit writing. I really did. I was I logged off medium for sure for a few days. I, you know, I just kind of said, you know what, I'm, why am I doing this? Why am I sharing myself with the entire, you know, why am I sharing myself with the internet? If this is the criticism I'm, I'm going to see every time that I do this. And so I kind of, I definitely went into, um, went into a state of mind that I was like, okay, I really need to think very hard about what I'm publishing online, because this is, this is what I'm going to face every time that I talk about sensitive topics. Um, and Jillian, one of the co-editors of Fearless, she wrote, she reached out to me and we were messaging back and forth and she's just a wonderful, such a kind, kind soul. She's so wonderful. And then Maggie is amazing. And she kind of came in and I mean, the three of Maggie and Jillian had already, um, you know, they'd been friends on medium. And then the three of us just kind of connected and we started talking every day (laughs) and we'd never met in person. And we just started talking and we kind of realized that we shared, you know, similar experiences. And we were just so sad that anytime we wrote about something sensitive or we'd come forward, you know, just like the, any, anything bad that had happened to us, we'd share it and, you know, we'd be met with all sorts of disbelief or, you know, people would write us off. And that's kind of how we decided to start a publication. And we really started it for the three of us. We said, you know what, like, 
but let's, let's find a place where we can put all of our stories in. Mm. And if people want to write for us, like that would be amazing. But you know, let's, let's have a place that we can house our, our articles in and, you know, just people know that if you, you know, you publish something here, like this is a safe space. Like we don't want, you know, any sort of negativity here. And that's how it started. And we are growing faster than I could have ever imagined. We have a lot of wonderful, amazing writers that write for us. And it just, it, it really is overwhelming in the most beautiful way the stories that these writers entrust in our publication. We're so happy. So um, that was, I mean, a part of your comeback, right? Because yeah. you had made a decision that you were going to stop writing, but re- having an opportunity to reach out and connect with these women and then create this project, this this publication, was a part of you getting back into your groove, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. It really was that that courage to be like, you know what? Like, there's a reason why I'm telling these stories. I see the people that I'm connecting with. I'm reading the comments and the majority of them are absolutely full of love and support. Um, so I said, you know what, like we, that this isn't going to stop me from, from sharing what I want to share. And so, yeah, we started the publication and it's, it's, so exciting. We're so happy. <laughs> and see that again, that's a testament to your badassery, but also it's a great uh, example for anyone else who, one, having a fear to put yourself out there because of, you know, rejection or criticism Absolutely. or what have you. And that this is helping them to see that it's still worth it because someone will benefit from reading about your experiences. But then also as the writer, being able to stand up and say, yes, this happened to me and I'm still here. 100%. That is a wonderful example to other writers, especially other women writers. So again, honey, with your badassery, thank you so much for being such a wonderful, strong example. I mean, like I said, I stalk you for a reason because I'm inspired by you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's, yeah, I'm, I, 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 I do write about that a lot is the fact that our, you know, the other, other writers, they have to know that if they are writing about, you know, sensitive topics like this, um, they, even if, like you said, even if somebody's reading and they don't comment, they don't even let you know, there are people out there that are being touched by your work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes maybe you'll never know it, but you really are, you are helping others when you write about these things that other people don't write about. Now I read recent, one of your recent pieces to save myself. I learned how to stop being the person to fix everyone's problems. So basically being a people pleaser, what was your motivation in in wanting or needing to write that? So I started, so I've always, like I, I write in the article, I've been a people pleaser, you know, all my life. I'm the oldest of four kids. So I really thrived on hearing when adults would tell me that I was mature for my age or I just, I loved, I loved to hear that people were, were pleased, even if whatever I was doing was, you know, putting stress on me. If I could do something for someone, I was so happy to do it. And I grew up, 
you know, believing that I was valued if I could take on more responsibilities than I could handle. Mm. And I continued that way into adulthood and the relationships that I had, you know, friendships. I was always stepping in and taking on all of their emotional weight, even if I wasn't asked because I, I really wanted to, I mean, this is going to make me sound like I'm, you know, some kind of saint or something. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I always wanted to, I didn't want to see anybody in pain. I didn't want to see anybody hurt. And I was just always, always, what can I do? Constantly thinking about how I can fix other people's problems. And it was really damaging my own personal life, my own relationship. Um, I just became so invested in trying to save others, you know, and that's such a, it's such a dangerous way to live when you're constantly worrying about when you're constantly feeling responsible for other people's, Mm -hmm. for other people's, you know, their struggles and their, it's, it's their journey, but you somehow feel guilty if you say no and you don't help. Um, and I had been struggling with that a lot and I started seeing a therapist to kind of help me out with that. Um, and I, you know, I started saying, you know, I wrote uh, an article about saying goodbye to, you know, one-sided relationships. I kind of walked away from, um, a few friendships that weren't, that weren't healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, they were all one-sided. I was, they just, they weren't doing me any good. And so I walked away, you know, from a lot of, a lot of friendships and I just started reversing my, you know, the way I had been trained all my life and starting to put myself first instead of constantly worrying about other people's problems. And my therapist has helped me tremendously in this, um, in this aspect of my life. And so I wrote that article I really wanted to share that, um, you know, because my therapist told me something really important and, you know, she was saying that all the growth that I've done in my life and, you know, we're talking all these career changes and everything, the relationship with my parents is in a much, much better place now. And I'm really happy about that. But she, she told me, you know, this journey that you've come on, you've, you've put in all the work and, you know, you've, you've grown so much. She said, but when you're stepping in and you're taking on the emotional weight, you're stepping in and you're constantly, you know, doing the work for someone else, Mm -hmm. whether it's their toxic relationship, you're stepping in and you're arguing with the boyfriend, you're talking to the boyfriend on their behalf. And she said, you're actually robbing that person of their own growth and their journey. And you're stopping them from from growing. She said, look at you and how much you've grown. She said, imagine if someone did all the work for you. She said, you wouldn't have learned. You wouldn't be where you are today. And when she said that, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I, I never saw it that way. I thought I was helping. And for her to tell me, you're actually kind of hurting their journey because you're just constantly, you know, taking on all the weight. Interesting. Yeah. And that really opened my eyes. I was like, what the last thing I want to do is rob somebody from their own personal growth and improvement because my growth is 
one of the most beautiful things about me. I love how far that I, how far I've come in my, in my career and my personal life. And, and I, I love that about myself that I'm continuing to grow and I'm, you know, I'm still gonna, I'm gonna learn. I'm still learning. I'm still, um, becoming a better version of myself, but to think that I could be robbing somebody from that in their own life, that just completely changed my mindset. I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And also, I mean, to your own detriment though, I mean, yeah, if you're taking on someone else's issues, gives you far less time to focus on your own, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I would answer phone calls. Somebody was upset, you know, in the middle of the night, I would answer phone calls. I would, you know, stay on the phone with them for hours. Even if I had to wake up early the next morning, I would, you know, talk to so-and-so's boyfriend because they were too upset to talk to them. Just all girl, you got a Shiro complex. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was just like that. And, you know, if somebody was in an unhealthy relationship, I'd spend all my energy. Well, how am I going to help them? How, how am I going to get them to see what I see, what everyone else sees? Why don't they see it? And I would talk about their relationship with, with my boyfriend. I would talk about their relationship with our mutual friends and it was exhausting. I'm exhausted mm-hmm. talking about it with you right now. <laughs> like that's exhausting to just wow. completely, you know, make your life suddenly about somebody else's. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, was it, was it like an instant fix that realization that you had with your therapist or is it something you're still having to work through? Um, I'm, I, I I don't know when she said that, honestly, it was like, it was like a a switch. (laughs) It was, I was like, Oh my God, what? I've never heard of it put in that, you know, like said that way, worded that way. I was like, Oh my God, you're right. Um, but I had already been, you know, cutting off, you know, like toxic friends and just kind of distancing myself from some people. So I had already kind of started that process. Mm-hmm. So I was in a much better place um, than in the beginning. I think maybe if she, if I would have gone to her, you know, like a few years ago when she said that, I don't think it would have had the impact on me that it did then. But it absolutely gave me chills. I was like, oh, okay, let's, <laughs> let's change this. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes it takes for, we, we have great intuition. Most creative people we we do innately, but also there are certain situations that have to find us when we're ready. And that sounds like you were ready to accept that and in a better position to actually put it to work, meaning stopping (laughs) recognizing that, like you said, or that she made you aware that you were hindering other people's growth by stepping in and basically doing the work for them. Correct. Yeah. That's good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how you said it. There's just some situations that we're just, we're not ready until we're ready. And no matter what kind of advice we get, if it's when we're not ready, it's not going to help us. It's amazing how timing in our life works like that. Um, But it's also interesting that if you're not ready, 
it will stay in the back of your mind so that when, you know, whether it's days, weeks, years, when the situation, when you are ready, when you've built whatever you needed to build up in order to be accepting, then you can go, oh, that's what that meant. Yeah, so true. So, I mean, even though there are times when we don't get the message that's directly in front of us, keeping it in the back of the mind is still useful. Absolutely. <laughs> Completely, yes. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I have situations where it's more than that. It's hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like a complete pivot. Like, wow, I did not see that twenty years ago. I see it now. <laughs> see it now, exactly. <laughs> it might be a little late, but I got it. <laughs> but I got it right. <laughs> And I, I certainly recognize, and I know I've written about this personally, having a, a therapy session where it took 40, over 40 years of therapy for me to see one therapist who suggested that my mommy baggage, the issues I had with abandonment had nothing to do with me and everything to do with my mother. Wow. One person after 40 years. And as soon as she said it, the light bulb. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that never occurred to me. Like all of these wow. years, I've been blaming myself, thinking it's it's me. It must have been something I did or said. And in that instant, I could I could flip the switch. So I totally recognize what you're saying in that when when it's time for you to get the lesson or when, when it's time for clarity, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. That's life and living for you. Yes. But that's what I that's what I love about life is that we're constantly we're growing, we're learning. You know. When we allow it, because granted there are some people that they don't allow the growth that for fear or whatever the reasons, there there are situations where there are people that say, No, I, I don't I don't want that lesson. I'm completely content in being here and I don't want to know anything else. And so it is a it's yeah. a choice that to receive true. those lessons, right? That is very true. Yeah. So with all of your writing, how do you keep yourself organized and how do you keep your productivity on track? So I have to, I, so I have a paper planner. So I have like a notebook planner. I have, I use the app um, Trello mm -hmm. and have you, do you use Trello? Have you heard of it? I have used Trello in the past as a project manager. I've probably used them all, but Trello's Trello's been one of them. Okay. Yeah. I, I love Trello. So I get to organize, you know, by each client, I get to organize, you know, my priorities and what deadlines I have coming. That's kind of how I organize all of my ideas for articles that I want to pitch to different magazines. Um, so I really like to write everything out, mm -hmm. <laughs> everything. Um, so that's really how I keep myself organized. Um, I'm just constantly either in the notes app or the Trello app. I'm always jotting things down, um, which can, can be a little exhausting. It feels sometimes like, a, you know, the brain doesn't, <laughs> oh. there's no, there's no stop time. Like it's always like, right. Oh, that's a great idea for, for an article or, Oh my God, that's such a good line for a poem. And it's just like constant. <laughs> Trust me, before I found Asana, which is what I use for project management, I would lose track of all of my sticky notes. 
My yeah. sticky notes had sticky notes. <laughs> yeah, no, it helps to, to definitely have something to keep you to keep you organized. I wouldn't be able to function without without um you know having my calendar and my my notes and all of that. I'm amazed at writers that I've uh, interviewed in the past that say they keep it all paper that it's in wow. a notebook or, you know, a planner and nothing is digital. Like how, wow. how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I would love to see that. Like I would love to kind of visit a writer's workspace and see what that looks like. if Everything's on paper. Do you wow. think that's a consequence of our time, like, you know, being closer to technology than, say, someone who's older and they grew up with a standard typewriter? <laughs> uh, absolutely. I think that could that could be part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we're just so we rely on technology so much. It's just kind of part of our daily functioning that it's. Mm-hmm. We just kind of, you know, make it work to help us, you know, ease, make our, our work easier. Um, yeah. I, I would lose my mind if <laughs> I had made a note in Google Doc on my phone and it didn't sync when I got to my computer. Girl, yeah. <laughs> there'd be some problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were so used to the convenience and just everything working instantly that it, exactly. it throws that, off. That, that sink it's like that because yeah we're on the move we're constantly thinking of an idea or a note or something to edit or something to pitch and if you didn't have a way for those things to sync simultaneously that would just be extra work right, right. yeah no I don't uh, I need it I need that instant <laughs> I need the syncing I have to so outside of using Trello, do you have any other tips or tricks or must-do habits for an aspiring creative writer? For somebody that is wanting to do creative writing. So I I just find a way to to execute the writing, whether, you know, it's a side hustle or, you know, you... I mean, some people, you know, you can quit and, you know, follow your dream job, but just find if it's the creative writing that, you know, you lose yourself in the art I lose yourself in a good way where you're just completely lost in this passion. I say, do it and do it often, make it a priority. Um, and really don't, you know, it's, it's so hard with, with imposter syndrome, I know we kind of touched on that a little bit, but it's so hard when you're a creative because it's so easy for doubt to enter. And all of a sudden, you know, the switch is flipped and you're just like, wait, I'm, I, I don't even think this is very good. Am I very good? Am I good at all? Um, so there's that doubt that is always there. Um, but one of the things that I did for myself to kind of help me when I get in those those really low points where I'm just doubting my work or I just don't, you know, I get four rejections in one day and I'm just like, okay, am I even a good writer? Um, I made a list of, and I called it, I literally called it um, 
the most badass things I've ever done. And I made nice. for myself. <laughs> That's literally what I called it. I wrote it in a notebook. Um, and I made a list of all the things that just accomplishments or things that I've done that I that I don't think about every day. You know, they get lost in, you know, just they get lost in the noise. And sometimes it's really important for us to remind ourselves and congratulate ourselves and celebrate successes that are small and big and the small ones get lost. But so I made this list and I just sat down and I'm like, what are some things that make me so proud of myself? Like what are things that I've done that are just so badass? And I had to think of it as in, what if, you know, I have a friend who's telling me that she did this, like, would I think that's badass? Because sometimes when we do it ourselves, we don't give ourselves the credit yet. We see someone else doing the same exact thing. We're like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Like, how'd you do that? Like, that's impressive. Um, so I had to put it in that, in that frame, but I made a list of (laughs) all the things. One of the things I wrote on there was publishing my first article on medium. I think that took so much guts and I'm proud of myself for doing that because it really put me on the right path. And so I filled in my list with a bunch of things. And sometimes when I'm, you know, like I said, get four, five rejections in one day, just one after the other, I'm like, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to log off now. Cause you know, um, <laughs> I look at this list, I pull it out and I just remind myself like, okay, these are all the things that you've accomplished. Um, And you still have so much more to go and just think about all the things that you're going to accomplish in the future and what a loss it would be if you just gave up now, you know, even after five rejections, like you really have no idea what's coming unless you just, you just keep on trying. I love that. That is something that I started with my clients in the empowered soul sessions that I do is making sure that in the beginning you create positive affirmations from your own list of amazing things that you've done because you're absolutely right it we're we're too close to our our lives and things that we've done right it is so much easier for us girl let me tell you you need to keep going because you're all that and we never do that for ourselves nope So yes, that is so, so richly important. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I'm going to make sure I put that out again for all of the ladies who are thinking I can't do this or I shouldn't do this or what will people think? Surely there have been moments in your life where you did something that you didn't think that you could and you succeeded in some way, shape or form. Yeah. That put it on the wall, write it down someplace where you can visually see it because that connection visually connecting to it is so, so, so important. So thank you for saying that completely. And that's why I didn't write it in a document. Um, I wrote it on a piece of paper. I kept it out. I didn't spy my desk. Um, and I, you know, I have to glance at it from time to time be like, Oh yeah, I did this. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was cool. Okay. I did that. Cause you're right. We're so close you know, and we don't, we just, we let sometimes these really important, amazing, badass things that we've done, we just kind of get them, you know, they get crowded and we just, we don't remember them enough. And it's so important 
to congratulate ourselves. So yeah, making that list is great. You don't have to show it to anybody, you know, just keep it somewhere for yourself and, uh, and just remind yourself, like, I'm badass. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> I love it. So outside of being a creative badass, what's, what's your guilty pleasure? What do you do when you're not creating? What gives you a break? So like I mentioned, I'm, so I love to write poetry and that's everything that I see, you know, my 24 hours a day, I'm like, oh, that's a good line. And I, you know, I start jotting things on my phone for, oh, I like that for a poem. And um, so to get my, you know, to get myself to rest and just kind of stop creating, which is so hard when you're a creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you love what you do. Exactly. Exactly. When it's not a chore, it's just like, it's fun. You enjoy it. It's just like, oh, let me, let me do this. Let me do that. I, to get myself to stop, um, <laughs> I, I like to put on something funny. I like to watch like a funny movie or something. If I'm at home, um, my, my little 11 year old pup, I'll take him and we'll, we'll go out and I'll leave my phone at home. Um, and we'll, we'll go for a walk. I, I like to do that very often. I like to completely leave my phone at home and I just walk kind of close to where I live. Um, so that way I don't even have, even if something (laughs) crosses my mind, if I see some, you know, a tree or a bird and I'm like, Oh, that'd be great for a poem. I don't even have my phone to write it down. So I'm like, okay, Uh just, just take it in and just, just breathe and, and stop, stop writing. Um, I've tried that, but I will, I used to say if it's still in my head by the time I get back, then it was worth it. Right. And so then I know I'm supposed to write it, but I will repeat it in my head (laughs) so that I don't lose it, which is not the, it's like defeating the purpose, right? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Then you're just concentrated on that and you're still creating. So so do you, are you are you able to completely like turn off your brain when you're when you're out for a walk so that you don't like say okay I got to make it back so I can write it down I yeah I'm I am able to I if I if I leave the phone at home you know I'm just I'm trying to look at the color of the sky or I'm trying to you know kind of look at other people that are walking or jogging and I just try to you know take in take in my environment and, and stop trying to <laughs> turn it into lines of poetry. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the outside thing really helps if I leave my phone, but sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll put on a funny movie and just kind of sitting in front of the TV is just like, okay, like I'll just, I'll just watch this for a little bit. And mm-hmm. funny movies always, always get me to take a break. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I do. Very cool. Now you have a debut novel that's coming out. Tell me a little bit about that before I let you go. Yeah, of course. So this book, so I told you I've been writing since I was a little girl. The idea for this story, I started writing when I was 14 years old. So I have the actual notebook filled. I wrote about half of this novel already in handwriting in a notebook when I was 14. Um, And then I just kind of stopped and, uh, you know, got busy, stopped, you know, lost interest or whatever. And I just um, never went back to it. And 
a few years ago, I found the notebook. So I typed all of it into a document. And then again, I just kind of let it sit. And I have a, she's 15 years old now. I have a 15 year old younger sister. She is, she and I are very close. We talk every day. And one day I just happened to have the document. I think I like kind of glanced at something and I told her, I said, have I told you about the story that I wrote when I was 14? So I started telling her about it and you know, she's a freshman in high school and the book is about a 14 year old girl who's starting high school. And I thought, well, if my 15 year old sister is even remotely interested in this because she's the audience that, you know, I would be writing this book for, I said, then maybe, maybe I should pick it up again. So I start telling her the idea of the story and she, I mean, she's my sister, but she would be honest with me if she's like, okay, that's cool. And then not ask any questions, but she's like, oh my God. So what happens next? Like what happens next? And I was like, well, I never finished it. And she's like, well, why not? Like, let's finish it. And I'm like, you want to help me? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And we have started writing this book together. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, there, it's this 14 year old girl Um, She starts high school and she's, it's just her and her older sister. She's raised by her older sister and they're, you know, very close. They're best friends, even though they have a very big age difference. And um, she just, you know, she's starting high school and she's getting a little nervous about, you know, all the changes that come with starting high school. She's scared she's going to lose her friends. You know, everyone's kind of a little boy crazy and she's not so much. And she's just, she's really overwhelmed by it. Um, And psychics are a really big uh, part of her kind of her upbringing. Her mom was really involved with them and she goes to see her sister takes her to go see a psychic and she kind of blows up the prediction that she gets or the reading that she gets. She kind of blows it up and takes it, puts her own little spin on it, which is not at all what, um, (laughs) what the woman told her, but she kind of puts her little spin on it and she starts living high school really trying to look for this person that she learned about in the reading. She's thinking that she's going to fall in love with them. So it's like a romance story, but um, so she starts searching for this boy that supposedly she heard about in her reading. Um, And that's kind of where the story goes, but. um, And so what's it like writing with your younger sister? Is she pursuing writing as well? She's not, she's actually an amazing artist. She is so talented in drawing. She's in a sculpture class and she does all these cute little things and she's constantly drawing. She's a really good artist. Nobody else in the family is talented with drawing. Like I can't draw stick figures. And this girl is just like, she's so impressive. Um, and it's, I think it's because we're so close. Um, even though we have, you know, we have a 14 year age gap. Um, we're just very, very close. We're very similar. And it is so much fun. We FaceTime and we just have a blast writing. Um, you know, she's my high school consultant. I'm like, if whatever, you, whatever is cool right now, that's what, that's the audience. Like if you think this is cool, cool. Um, so it's been a lot of fun and it's a great way for us to bond, but it's, we've just been having really a lot of fun with it. I absolutely love that. I look yeah. forward to reading and, you know, sharing it with my nieces. So um, is there as anticipation for when you'll have it finished? We are, we're working. 
we're working. <laughs> There's not really a date, you know, my my co-authors in high school, so I have to work around their schedule. <laughs> um, but we're we're working on it. We're hoping, you know, definitely by the end of the year we want to we want to have it done. So Yeah. That is awesome. And I think apropos, since I might have mentioned that in our intro, that (laughs) this was something that you were working on with a potential release date of 2020. So hopefully that will happen. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I have thoroughly enjoyed learning a little bit more about you, not just reading your work, which (laughs) I absolutely just love. You are such an inspiration to me. I know that we've talked about you know, my submitting content and I sort of put it off because Medium and I have had a love-hate relationship. So thank you for your patience with me (laughs) as I work out those differences. (laughs) Thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure. I would love to do this again. Like it's, it's been a lot of fun. So let my listeners know where they can find more work from you. Yeah, of course. So my daily writing is all on Medium. I write under the name Jessica Lovejoy. Um, So that's where all my Medium writing is. I do have a new relationship article that just got featured on Business Insider. Um, That kind of goes over a little bit about um, breakups and heartache and all of that. Um, And our feminist equality empowering publication is called Fearless She Wrote, also on Medium. Um, So you can find all of that and check out our stuff. Yeah. Fantastic. And I think you, I was looking at your website, which I love, unfinishedletters.com. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I've been stalking you. I wasn't joking. I know where to find you on Twitter, on Instagram, your website, Medium. I I love that. You're so sweet. Yes, Unfinished Letters is my website. That's where I post everything that's on Medium. I just kind of carry it on over there. But I do have uh, a lot of photography on there too. So, Oh, good. Is that your photography? Yeah, all of it is mine. All of it are photos that I've taken on an iPhone that have just become like backdrops to my poetry. Now I use them on Instagram and kind of overlay the poetry on top. And they're just gorgeous. They're so pretty. <laughs> wow, see multi-talented, badass creative. <laughs> so well, thank you. Again, reminding my listeners that we have had a wonderful conversation with creator freelance writer Jessica Mendez writing as Jessica Lovejoy on Medium. And I will have all of your links in our show notes. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this opportunity to chat. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much.